Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Comic Source Podcast. I'm your host, Jace. And this is Jay. This is your new Comics Wednesday episode for September 1st, 2021. I can't believe it's September already. I was talking yesterday on the DC Spotlight podcast that this was the year I was going to like mark down for the best of awards as I read a comic each week. If it fit one of the categories, I was going to write it down. So at the end, because this is what happens every year, I have to go back through like thousands of comics to figure out. And sometimes it's hard to remember best moment or, you know, favorite covers or whatever. So I was going to write them down. And man, here we are in September and I, I, I haven't done it. <laughs> and it's frustrating me. So anyway, uh, two episodes dropped yesterday. As uh, usual, our deep dive into D.C., DC Spotlight wasn't a huge DC week, not a huge week in general, um, which is sort of interesting. So typically when there's five Wednesdays in a month, that fifth Wednesday will be like specials and annuals and any books that kind of ship late because in general, it's four weeks in a month and that's kind of the schedule they stay on the, the, um, the comic publishers you know, plan on four weeks of books. So when you have that fifth week, which happens four times a year, it's kind of the everything else week. Um, So what's interesting is with the last day of the month being on a Tuesday and DC now on a Tuesday release, it was just a bunch of annuals and the Aquaman 80th anniversary special yesterday. And then a couple of other books, Infinite Frontier number five, as well as Teen Titans Academy number six. So again, if you're curious about those, go check them out. Um, I will also say that we did do uh, a special episode on the uh, 80th anniversary of Aquaman because it was such a big book. It had 11 stories. So we set, uh, we separated that out. So if you're curious, go over there and check it out. Uh, you can find it on the U- uh, Comic Boom YouTube channel or obviously uh, on the Comic Source podcast. So if you're curious about any of the DC books, go check them out there. Uh, we also we didn't get Marvel this week for some reason. Uh, as we're recording this late on Wednesday, we were hoping and hoping, but uh, eventually we got to, or late on Tuesday, I should say, uh, but eventually we got to get it recorded. So we weren't able to, uh, to check out the Marvel books. Um, so not going to talk about those either. So again, it's going to be a bit of a, a lighter week, but it, it already is a lighter week. Like I said, because even though it's the first Wednesday of the month that Marvel didn't have a lot either, neither did to DC, although it was a fifth week for them, like I said, um, but before we do talk about a few of the books that we have had a chance to read, I wanted to mention that Marvel announced some, uh, like this new publishing initiative. And I don't know, this doesn't necessarily sound like the thing that Tom Brevoort was sort of hinting at uh, earlier in the year. Maybe their plans have changed with the supply chain issues and COVID continuing. I'm not really sure, but the publishing initiative is called Timeless. And that's a play on the fact that... Um, 82 years ago, Marvel Comics was actually called Timely uh, Publishing, and so I think they're trying to play in on that. So two of the events are actually going to kick off this year in 2021 in December. So we have Devil's Reign, which is the Daredevil event from Zadarsky and Chichetto, which comes out of the uh, events that were seen in the Spider-Man Venom Free Comic Book Day uh, book. And, you know, we are, we've already heard that Daredevil is coming to an end. I don't know if that's actually true. Like, is it really coming to an end? Zadarsky's already saying he's continuing on the book. Are they going to start it with a new number one? 
I kind of hope they don't. I'm tired of Marvel and their number ones. Uh, if it needs to go on hiatus to do this Devil's Reign event or whatever, that's fine. Uh, I just hope it's good. And, you know, typically Zdarsky's Daredevil is really good. But what I'm worried about is it's it's such a self-contained book. And and really, it's it's best when it's just kind of left on its own to just do its own thing. And we saw that Jay and I both were kind of disappointed in the issue that crossed over with the, uh, what was it? The, the venom event, black rain or whatever, what was it called? Oh, the King of black King and black. Yeah. I remember when it crossed over with King and black and like, we got half a good issue and the other half of the issue was like, you could just tell Zdarsky was being forced to make it cross over. So, but this is his, this is his event, but you never know how much it's editorially driven, right? Like, Marvel went to Zdarsky and said, hey, we're doing this timeless thing. You need to come up with an event for it, even if it's self-contained within Daredevil. So I just hope it doesn't feel like it's out of place in his own book. So uh, I guess we'll see. Anyway, the other one that's coming out in December of 2021 is called Avengers Forever by Jason Aaron and, and uh, Aaron Cutter. There's already been an Avengers Forever um, miniseries back in the day by Kurt Busiek. Um, but I don't know. I guess they really like the name. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, the, basically the whole idea of Avengers forever is it, it it's taking a bunch of, um, and they actually use the word multiverse. Marvel is using the word multiverse. They're taking a bunch of uh, different versions of characters. You know, the archeologist, Tony Stark, who's also known as the invincible ant man and other Avengers from across the multiverse and they're going to um, bring order to the timelines where hope is a four-letter word. That's how it's being teased. So um, it sounds kind of interesting. I don't know. I'm not – I feel like everybody talked about Jason Aaron being, like, one of the best writers when he was on Thor. And since he's moved over to Avengers, it's almost like, does anybody even care what the guy's doing anymore? Was he, like, born to write Thor? And his Avengers stuff doesn't resonate. Like, it's it's kind of strange to me that his name doesn't come up more. But anyway, I'm not reading Avengers I, I haven't read any of his Avengers. I didn't read his Thor for that matter, but I'm, I'm, this sounds interesting. I mean, Tony Stark is an archaeologist and the invincible Ant-Man. Mm, I might check it out. We'll see. Um, there's a, uh, also a new Kang, the Conqueror series from Jed McKay, Kev Walker, Joe Bennett, and Mark Bagley in uh, December of 2021, which is interesting because we already have the origin Kang series going on right now. So not sure how those might intertwine. And is this just, um, basically comics kind of boosting up a villain, namely Kang, because he's going to start showing up in the MCU. Don't know. The other big announcement today, the X lives or 10 lives, I guess, of Wolverine and 10 deaths of Wolverine. These are both coming out in January, 2022. Um, and I guess they're like companion series. I'm not really sure. There's one in the past, one in the future. I don't know, but it's Benjamin Percy, who I feel like was born to write Wolverine. Joshua Casera and Frederico Vicente. Uh, there's also new She-Hulk coming. Um, and that's not really surprising because, again, there's a TV series that's also supposed to come. She-Hulk TV series that's also supposed to be coming out in January 2022. That's by Rainbow Ro uh, Roel and Rose Antonio. Um, and, you know, rumors that it's going to be a return to the more traditional She-Hulk we know where she's not all... Um, I don't know what's the word dumb i guess you'd say you know she she it used to be jen walters turned into she hulk and she retained all her personality and all her intelligence or whatever and then in that jason aaron thor series we see that she's much bigger 
bulkier, much more masculine, and she's much more of a Hulk smash sort of uh, She-Hulk, which I don't know. That's part of the reason I didn't even read that Avengers. Uh, I just that's not a She-Hulk that I have any interest in reading. And I think a lot of fans sort of agree with me, but I, I get it. You you know you can't just keep telling the same story over and over. Um, but it wasn't for me, and I I jumped off. So uh, will this be a return? Will they try to straddle and get the best of both worlds? I don't know. I mean, I, I meant there's got to be some people out there that like this different version of, of She-Hulk, who's more like her uh, incredible cousin. Um, the other thing that was announced uh, that's coming out is the Reckoning War in Fantastic Four in February 2022 from Dan Slott, Carlos Pacheco, and Rachel Stott. So this is a pretty interesting one because Dan Slott has dropped references to the Reckoning War in his work in Marvel Comics for over 20 years. And he's finally now getting to tell this reckoning war story that he's had in the back of his head rolling around for 25, 30 years. So I'm, it's either going to be really, really good because he's had so much time to refine it, or I feel like it's going to be really, really bad because he's had so much time to mess it up in his head, like over, uh, over bake it basically. Um, so I guess we'll see. Uh, there's also, again, not a surprise because we are supposed to be getting a TV series possibly with Lawrence Fishburne of Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur. So we get the return of that in, um, I think in February. Yeah, that one's supposed to come out in February as well, 2022. So yeah, um, it's been many, many years, 82 years since the publication of Marvel Comics number one that came out from Timely Publications. Uh, That was August 31st, 1939. So 82 years to the day as I'm sitting here recording this. So I guess it's kind of cool that they're sort of acknowledging that with this timeless initiative at the end of the day, they just need to be good stories. So I guess we'll see how that all plays out. Uh, all right. Well, onto the books that we did get a chance to read. Um, as I mentioned, we, we did not, not get Marvel speaking of, um, and DC is uh, on yesterday's episode, but we did get a chance to read a, a few books and we're going to talk about them here. Uh, and let's kick it off with one of our favorite publishers and uh, one of their, uh, new series debuts today. It's called Almost American. First issue is called Exodus. It's written by Ron Mars. The art is by Marco Castello. Colors by Flavio Dispenza. Letters by Russ Wooten. And I should also say that it's based on a true story by Janosh Newman. Now, Janosh, if that name sounds familiar, he was the co-writer, or at least Stephanie Phillips wrote Red Atlantis, but it was it was also based on an idea that Janosh and his wife had, um, and they're like real life. They were real life spies, Russian citizens um, who worked for the the Russian um, intelligence agencies in in Russia, and uh, eventually defected. So um, this is them working with Ron Mars to, to sort of tell their their true life story. So, like I said, we have Red Atlantis, which he. Um, you know, which he contributed to, and it was from an idea that he has. But now Aftershock is actually telling his story. So I, I'm sure some of it's fictionalized. You know, it's, it's based on a true story. Um, but yeah, it's it's pretty interesting. And I, I probably should reach out to Aftershock and see if we can have Janosh on because he'd probably be a pretty interesting guy to, to talk to. Um, him and his wife. I think his wife's name's uh, Victoria. So um, anyway... Take it away, Jay. What'd you think of this book? 
Well, I was looking forward to the book because I kind of like the uh, spy stories and whatnot and uh, people, you know, trying to defect. <clears throat> so it caught my interest. I was just curious what year those happening, but the book starts off in 2008. So it's not like from like I thought would be like from like the 50s or 60s, but it's more like Russia's already gone in 2008. But it's the husband and wife and the two main characters are going to be uh, Alexa and Victoria. And the story is really good. I like it so far. The artwork's clean. Um, it's not... Uh, too heavy on the lines it's just you know clean i like it the, art, the color's pretty bright in some areas i guess just to highlight uh, the characters and uh they go they starts off in puerto rico and that's when they you know go to the embassy and you know kind of offer themselves up you know and say that we'll give this information for that it seems like it takes a while from they actually get the uh what they need to get out of that country and into the united states but it's like a big ordeal for them to get there and uh, it, the whole trip is kind of a mess for both of them, especially the wife. But they end up in America. And then, like, if you get to the back of the book, it actually has, like, a little bio of the uh, the main uh, character saying, you know, this is how I did everything. And it's, you know, the real people. It's actually, actually a real picture of the husband and wife on it, which I kind of kind of thought was kind of neat. And it gives you a timeline of uh, why he joined and what he did and, you know, where he ended up at the end. But a lot of it's kind of blocked off to kind of make it look like, you know, they can't tell you everything that they actually did. But I enjoy it. I'm looking forward to the next issue. Yeah, I really enjoyed it, too. Um, and, and it's always the sort of the challenge when, it, you know, you say based on a true story, you, you want to stay kind of tr true to the story. Uh, but at the same time, and this is why some people have problems with it, like I think um, was that movie? I think it was even nominated for like Best Picture or whatever. Uh, about the football player that had Sandra Bullock in it. Um, uh, the line, something line. Um, yeah, but anyway, there, there were um, there were people that came out after the movie, you know, came out and they said, well, that's not how it happened. That's not true, blah, blah, blah. Um, but, you know, you, you still have to make it entertaining. Uh, the blind side, that's what it was called. Yeah, the blind side. Uh, but you still have to make it entertaining. And so while this is interesting and intriguing uh, start, and we do get introduced to the, you know, the, the fictional version of Janosh and the fictional uh, version of uh, his wife, Victoria, and they obviously they go by different names, um, but there's not a whole lot of action or, or intrigue that necessarily happens yet in the first issue. But I, I do agree with you that the whole idea of it is, is fascinating and the other part of it is yeah like you're right if it was back in the cold war you might expect to see some more action but i mean russia is and the united states there i almost feel like it's a new cold war going on right now with disinformation and, and whatnot so in the era that they were uh leaving in the era that they were defecting in the late 2000s it's sort of maybe the beginnings of that so i definitely feel like they you know, they, they may have known, they may have seen the, the writing on the wall and it goes into, you know, why they decided to leave and, and, and all that kind of stuff. So obviously their real names are not Genosha and Victoria. Uh, I'm sure they've had several uh, identities since then. And like I said, probably should have him on the show to, to talk about it because it'd probably be pretty interesting, but um, great title from Aftershock. I, I expect the sort of intrigue and um, how compelling the story is to increase as uh, the issues um, you know, come out. Uh, all right. Well, let me talk about my first book. 
And it's actually a final issue. It's Commanders in Crisis number 12 from writer Steve Orlando and co-creator David Tinto, uh, Francesca Cordovenuta and Francesca Vivaldi handle the colors. Alessandro Santori as the color assistant. Um, we have Fabio Amelia on letters. This has just been a fantastic series. Um, and it, it finishes up in a way that it's really interesting to me. And, and Steve Orlando has a little afterward in the back. And it, it sort of feels like this could continue, but it also feels like it doesn't really need to. I feel like we got a complete story. And in a way, the foreshadowing in the last issue of how everything is going to be resolved sort of gives away the ending a little bit. But what I love about this particular issue is the ending or, or the resolution to the conflict kind of isn't the point of the issue because by page 13 of like 20, I think it's 26 pages or so. So, so before you even get halfway through, the conflict is kind of resolved. And then the rest of it is about, okay, what, now that it's been fixed, now what, you know? And so often you, you, the story just ends once, you know, the villain is defeated as it were. Um, but the villain throughout this story, it hasn't been a, a traditional villain, right? It's the lack of empathy. It's the lack of connection. It's the lack of people willing to work together. That's been the true enemy in this story all along. And so that very much mirrors what's going on in, in the world right now, I feel like. And so I think Steve Orlando and David Tinto and the entire creative team have done an incredible job of celebrating what's really cool about comics and these big, giant, year-long um, blockbuster crossover events with all kinds of cool ideas and you know cool superpowers and, and um, just outright crazy zaniness that goes on in, in comics and celebrates all that. And it's fun. And it's eye candy and it's beautiful art and great colors that pop off the page uh, to tell a really fun, big, bombastic story. But then subtextually, it's been about lack of empathy. It's been about people not willing to work together. Um, and in the end, would I call this a happy ending? I'd say it has the potential. It's, it's giving happiness a chance. So, you know, that's all that we can really ask for. Um, so all in all, I enjoyed it. I thought it was fantastic. And, and I'm sort of, I'm sort of conflicted on whether I would want more of this or not. I, I feel like it works so well as sort of a self-contained story. I, I think I wouldn't want, and I wouldn't want any more, at least not of this, like maybe prequels with some of the characters. Uh, I, I don't know, but I have a feeling Steve's smart enough to just leave it alone because I think it works really, really well as kind of a, a standalone um, and I imagine it should sell pretty well in trade as one big volume. So uh, Commanders in Crisis, it's been great throughout. I've been uh, a pretty big fan of it. So check it out. Uh, speaking of ends, uh, we do have the end of the first arc of another title that's been a huge hit. Uh, and that's Geiger, number six from co-creators Jeff Johns and Gary Frank. Obviously, Johns handles the writing. Gary Frank handles the art. Brad Anderson does the colors. Rob Lee does the letters. Uh, this is from their Mad Ghost imprint over at Image, and then we get uh, some news from Jeff Johns that uh, we'll talk about 
uh, after we talk about the particular issue, but um, yeah, this, this winds up the first arc. And I, based on what John says in the end, I don't know if it seems like there's definitely more to the story of Tarek Geiger, but it doesn't seem, it doesn't sound like we're getting any more of it anytime soon. So uh, anyway, what did you think of the issue itself, Jay? Uh, I was looking forward to it, of course, because I know it was going to be the last uh, issue of the, the series. It was good. Like I said, uh, from the last issue, we know that uh, Geiger <clears throat> made it to NORAD. He's got the two kids with him, and we know one's sick, and they don't take care of their sick there, so he has to get them out of there. Um, they get help from an unlikely source, but I won't give that away. And then we find out that, um, well, he's got to fight uh, like a, another adversary. I don't want to give that away either. Because really, you know that's that's something I think that's going to come up later on in the story. I think, and they, they might bring it back. But it was good because you got a final confrontation with uh, Geiger and you know the king, and you think that's it. But then <clears throat> the ending is kind of interesting because we see a little like uh, drug dealing going in the background. But you know between some of these uh, factions that are still in the in, the, in this in this new world to try to. Uh, do something for you know to go after geiger so you're kind of like okay so there's got to be they kind of set up i guess for the next series and they do uh, a second run they, they kind of got that story i guess for that uh t- tale and we also find that geiger has uh another way to like uh con- control his power which is kind of cool so he hasn't you know it's kind of how they how they play that off but i enjoyed it and then um i think like i said they got i guess a ground base for the next run i guess if they wanted you know what the next one might be but i enjoyed it and i'm so happy that was uh Kind of left it with a good cliffhanger, I think. It's like before the next volume. Yeah, I've talked about this series before in terms of you you have to use bigger panels. Gary Frank's art is so detailed. You have to use bigger panels to show that detail and to uh, allow that art to, to shine and be seen in its best light. But what that does is it, it sort of slows the pacing down because you can't fit as many panels in on each individual page, which means you don't get, you know, as much story on each individual page and you're limited to the number of pages you can have in an issue. So while I think the story is, is fantastic and it's overall quality, one of the best series of, of 2021, if I have any complaint about it, it is that it feels a little bit decompressed at times. And I just want more of this world because the world they've created is so amazing. So that being said, what Gary Frank puts into the panels and what he puts into the detail does enrich the story that we get. And Jeff Johns does a great job. They've been working together for a long, long time. Um, So while I'm satisfied with this arc, I'd be lying if I didn't say, man, I immediately want more of Tarek Geiger and more of, of what's to come. Because the way that this ends, it is the end of this portion of the story, but it's clear there's a lot more. Tarek Geiger stories to be told. Um, but again, I don't think we're going to get those uh, anytime soon. Um, in terms of a lot of the stuff that Jay's hinting at, like him finding a way to control his powers and him taking these two kids under his wing right after he found out his family had died and that they're sort of a substitute for that. Um, the sort of unheralded aspect of this story, I feel like, or, or an aspect of it that I don't hear enough people talking about is sort of the haunting quality that this story has and the sort of the haunting quality that Tarek Geiger himself has. He's a very haunted figure. I mean, 
is he a hero? Well, he, he tends to do the right thing just because of who he is. But I mean, is he a hero? Are there any heroes in this story when you're talking about, you know, the end of the world and um, death is all around and, and, you know, things are pretty brutal just trying to survive in a, in the day-to-day world. Um, so yeah, I, I, there's some great, great character work done here. And, and maybe that goes back to what I was saying before about just how much more of this I want, how much more time I want to spend with Tarek Geiger because he's a fascinating uh, character. Now, that being said, we're introduced to another character here in this issue um, that is part of the unnamed, which these are sort of heroes throughout time that Jeff Johns, uh, Gary Frank, and, and others are going to tell the stories of. Um, that's the um, sort of next step for, for Mad Ghost, if you will. So uh, in the back of this issue, we get a timeline uh, and the names that are mentioned are Redcoat, the Northerner, the Monster, Junkyard Joe, American Widow X, First Ghost, Unknown War, and then Geiger. Um, and there's a timeline and there's years for each of those. So we do know that there is a uh, more Geiger coming in the form of an 80 page giant. That's uh, I don't. It's a uh, it's on sale uh, November 24th, and it's not just. Um, Jeff Johns and Gary Frank. We've got Brian Hitch. We've got Jay Farber, uh, Peter J. Tomasi, Sean Galloway, Janet Harvey, Pornsack Pichichote, and more. And there's a, uh, we've seen the cover already. There's a bunch of other characters. So I imagine some of these other characters that we're seeing are going to be perhaps some of these other uh, unnamed that we're going to get the, the stories of. So like I said, in, in the back, there is uh, a little essay from Jeff Johns and he's talking about uh, these these big American myths like Paul Bunyan and Calamity Jane and John Henry. And he's talking about creating new myths that are on that same level right now. I, he's not so vain or arrogant that he's saying the things that he's creating are going to be on that level. He's just saying in the universe he's creating, these are, these are legends as well that are sort of like Paul Bunyan, Calamity Jane, whatnot. And they're called the unnamed. And Geiger was the first of those. And, you know, what comes next. So um, I'm pretty excited to hear about all these plans and this sort of interconnected universe of these unnamed heroes that Jeff Johns uh, is planning on working on. Now, whether he's doing them all himself along with um, with Gary Frank and Brad Anderson, I don't know. We do know we have Snipe and Slug from Peter J. Tomasi and and Brad Walker that's coming under the Mad Ghost imprint. Um so yeah, I am excited. The only thing that that kind of tempers that excitement a little bit is I know how busy Jeff Johns is doing other things, and uh, I know that Gary Frank's art is super, super detailed, and he's not the fastest artist in the world. So if we're going to get this this world, this world of the unnamed, I'd like it. I'd like it to come out. You know, like give me two books a month. You know, give me a couple of these titles. But I don't think the guys have the bandwidth to do that. So that's why I wonder if they might bring in other people. Or if Jeff Johns might decide to work with some other artists um, or if he might speed up his writing process. Cause I know with everything he's doing with TV and movies that um, he's not as prolific as he used to be as a, a comic book writer. So, um, but anyway, it's exciting times. And um, like this, this was a, a, an excellent end of the series. And like I said, the word, word that keeps coming back is that haunting quality of Tara Geiger and the haunting quality of the world. And even the, the art, um, 
from Gary Frank, you know, his art, like I said, super detailed and really bright colors throughout from Brad Anderson. When you talk about the green glow of radiation and whatnot. Um, but even then the, the, the art itself is, it's a little bit melancholy, you know, as it should be because it's a post-apocalyptic tale and it, it suits the haunting quality of the story. So fantastic work from that entire creative team. Uh, all right. Next book I'm going to mention is uh, Undiscovered Country from uh, writer Scott Snyder and Charles Soule. Art is by Giuseppe Camincoli and uh, Leonardo Marcello Grassi. Colors by Matt Wilson. Letters by Crank. Uh, we saw last issue that uh, the team entered into this, this new realm, the, the realm of, uh, of possibility um, or the zone of, of possibility. And it, it, this one's all about cre creativity, right? This is the zone in America that has to do with, with creating stories and creating music and, and art and all that sort of stuff. And apparently what they need to do in order to uh, escape is, is help it flourish again, help, help this zone of possibility become a place that's sort of uh, a fertile ground for, uh, for creation again, because apparently what happened is, you know, just like all the other zones, um, this zone became isolated. And so when you're isolated and you don't have input, it's hard to have creative output, right? Like we talk about it all the time on this show when we have creators come on that sometimes the best thing you can do as a creator when you're, um, you know, stuck in a, on a project, whether you're writing or drawing or whatever, you, you just need to recharge your batteries, your creative juices, your, you, uh, you know, come up with new ideas. So go watch a TV show, go watch a movie, listen to some music, go for a walk and take in uh, stimulus, you know? So, so you not to copy something or to ape something, but just to get, to recharge your, your batteries, right? Like you have to remember why you're doing it. Um, it ha happens to me, not that my outlet is hundred percent creative in any way compared to, you know, writing or drawing comics or anything like that. But man, when I, when I cover a big show like San Diego or New York, and I'm doing like all these interviews and press rooms and everything, like by the time Sunday rolls around, this is not a vacation, you know, and I'm not getting paid to do this. I'm paying to do this. And I just, I'm exhausted. And sometimes I just have to take that last day of the convention to just walk around, look at comics, look at art and remind myself that, yeah, this is why I do this because I, I love this, right? I, I love the medium. I love the ideas. And so it's sort of the same thing with uh, talking about a zone of possibility that is, is isolated and there's no new stimuli coming in. Um, and so uh, I think in order to, to move on the, the undiscovered country group here, exploratory group, that's what they need to, to resolve. But things are not exactly what they think they are. You know, they meet up with some people in the zone and they're told one thing, but in reality, things are much different. So uh, in that way, the zone is not that much different from a lot of the other zones. And we're starting to see a theme here that as they're heading to these zones and they're being sort of sold a bill of goods that, hey, this is what this zone is. And everybody's trying to put the best face on it. But really, you should always, they should be learning to take everything with a grain of salt because they're constantly being lied to because everybody has their own agenda, which makes sense when you think about, you know, an, an America that's been isolated and where time has passed uh, much quicker than it has in the outside world. And, and, you know, a century, if not more, time has gone by. Um, you're going to see things evolve culturally and politically. So uh, this continues to be a fascinating book with some really big ideas that are also relevant 
to the way um, the world is right now. And, and um, I've heard Scott Snyder and Charles Soule both talk about how prescient it was. You know, they, they've been working on this for like five years and then it comes out right as COVID hits and not just the United States, but a lot of countries close their borders and everybody's like, whoa, how did you know this was going to happen? I mean, it's just dumb luck. One of those weird kind of things, but because of everything that's happened in the last, it's over a year and a half now, two, two years almost. Um, all of a sudden this book does seem like it was predicting the future in a lot of ways. And it's sort of just adds to, it adds to the, the narrative. It adds to the richness of the story because it makes it even more compelling um, and, and like I said, these guys didn't know the pandemic was coming at all. Um, so it's kind of, it's kind of interesting and it, it adds a layer of sort of richness to the story. So, uh, if you're not reading undiscovered country, it's another one that I do uh, recommend. Uh, all right. On to Jay's last book. It's from image. It's the final issue for now, uh, at least the final issue of the arc, if not the final issue of the series and it's inkblot number 12 from Emma Kubert and, uh, rusty glad. So let us know what you thought about this one, Jay. Uh, I enjoyed it. Like I guess I was, uh, when I, when I first read it, it was from you and I thought, well, okay, I'll read it. I see what it's about, but I was kind of hooked. It's kind of a fun story about the cat ink block. Um, and this one, we got the main, uh, lady seeker. She's trying to see if she can get the cat to open portals. Cause she knows the cat can do things, but she's trying to figure out what, what, what he needs, uh, an incentive, what he needs to do to open these portals. And he finally does after she chases him around a lot. Um, she goes in the wrong spot, of course, because, you know, how that's the way the story goes. A cat always will teleport you where you don't need to be. <laughs> so there's a fight going on there. Um, she ends up in, the, uh, I guess, the underworld in another dimension. And we uh, meet another character there. You're like, why do you know that she had another uh, a sibling in the, in, the, in the family line? So it's kind of kind of neat. But the way it is is weird because she comes back to the world uh, of the living. Um, this other family member joins her, but only she can see him. And then she goes, sees the king. And I guess they're related too. <laughs> and everybody in the whole family, uh, his name begins with the letter V, which is kind of funny. I don't know if it was on purpose or not, but it's kind of neat how they did that. And the way it ends is just, uh, you know, um, I guess I'd leave it open for the second storyline, like a second arc, I guess, because. It doesn't really tie anything up, really. It just shows that, you know, um, the king needs something, and that's it. That's how it ends. You're like, okay. <laughs> but I, I still enjoyed it, so we'll see uh, what they're going to do with the, with the second run, I guess. Yeah, I mean, they they say they're, they're working to bring more. Um, but, again, I think it – I mean, nothing's been announced, so it may depend on uh, the sales of the, the trade. But uh, it's been uh, – an interesting ride. I've only read the first couple of uh, issues uh, and I've kind of flipped through the rest. Uh, it is something that is on my list that I want to read when I get the chance. Um, but yeah, I think it, it's definitely, um, it's definitely a book that's worth reading. Uh, and I, I've heard a lot of people say good things about it. So recommend you guys check it out. All right. My last book I'm going to talk about, it's another aftershock title miles to go. Number five from writer B Claymore. Stefan Molnar does the art and the colors, David Sharp on letters. Um, this has been a fantastic series. Uh, unfortunately, I think a little bit of the momentum got lost only because it took a little while for this final issue to come out, which, you know, it happens, life happens sometimes and whatnot, but um, it's crime noir, it's spies, it's intrigue, it's shadowy government agencies. 
Um, and it's incredible art from Stephen Molnair, uh, where even the, the smallest detail adds to the story. So in this particular issue, we, we learn a lot about uh, Amara and Aaliyah, like things that we didn't know before. And it sort of explains why, they're, why there could be this government agency after them. And so in that way, some questions are answered. Um, but just like a lot of the other titles that we're talking about today, it ends with uh, the words, the end question mark, because it's clearly not the end. There's clearly so much more to this story that could be told. And man, if there's any story that I want to continue out of anything I've read, it's this. Like if I had a choice between having Geiger continue and having miles to go continue i'd actually pick miles to go because what we got in geiger what felt like a complete story is are there more stories with Tarek geiger 100 there are more stories with Tara geiger but i feel like with miles to go we're only like scratching the surface you know we're, we're maybe halfway a third of the way through this this story about this mother uh, who's fiercely protective of her daughter um the one ally that she's made along the way and she's just finally got the first piece of the puzzle. She knows why people are after her. She knows why her life got turned upside down, why her and her daughter had to flee. Uh, and so now, like, what's next, right? Now that she's learned something, uh, she's learned two things. She's, she now knows who's after her and why. Um, and she also knows more about who she is because part of what, part of the reason why people are chasing her has to do with with things about her that she didn't even know about herself. And now that she's become aware of them, how can she take advantage of them? How can she use that knowledge to uh, kind of turn the tables on the people that are after her? So uh, fantastically paced, so much story packed into every issue, great artwork, great color work. Um, like uh, I really, really, really want more. And, and like a lot of the other books that we're talking about with a little note from, from the writers in the back, this one has a, a note too. Um, but it's only two sentences uh, from B. Clay Moore. Um, and I, I, you know, it's clear that he wants to continue. Uh, I'll put it that way. So I really, really hope that we get more miles to go. And um, I, I'm sure it's not a surprise to anybody hear me say this, but miles to go is going to, be definitely be on my pick for best series of, of 2021. Uh, absolutely fantastic. It's been so good. Uh, and I can't wait to have B clay on the, to talk about it. Um, but at the same time, I may wait a little while. Like we were talking about having them come on right after issue number five, but at the same time, I'm like, man, maybe, maybe let's wait because maybe he'll know that there's a second volume coming out. If we wait a little while, to see what can, you know, and, and if there's not going to be more, would we want to have them on to like talk about what would have been in the second arc? So I don't know. I'll have to think about that, but uh, I, it gets my highest possible recommendation. It's fantastic. And uh, like, I can't, I, I can't distinguish between, even though, like I said, the, um, the end of, of Geiger was, was fantastic and haunting and um, something that I read and I've been thinking about ever since I read it about a week ago. Um, but I can't, I can't pick between the final issue of that arc of Geiger and the final issue of, of this miles to go. I, I simply cannot, 
So I, I'm going to give them both my, my co-books of the week because uh, they're both really, really deserving. So uh, any any book in particular you want to give a shout out to as your book of the week, Jay? Yeah, I'm gonna go with Geiger because I uh, that's one of the one of the books I always look forward to to read first. You know, out of all the books I get, I want to read that one first. So I think that's going to be my book of the week. Yep, fair enough. Uh, all right, well, those are our picks for books of the week. Let me give a rundown on some other titles you might want to be on lookout for that are coming out today. Uh, from Aftershock, we talked about Almost American. We talked about Miles to Go, but there's also the final issue of Phantom on Scan from Cullen Bunn and Mark Torres, and that that ends um, satisfactorily. I'll put it that way. And uh, what we find out, what we learn, and what we have learned about the characters in that story throughout, uh, I won't I won't say it's like super predictable, but it's not a big surprise when you find out what's sort of behind how they got their powers and whatnot. Um, and it, it's kind of leaves the door cracked open for more as well, but that, that one ends, uh, in a very, a very appropriate way. I, I enjoyed it. It was, it was, it was really good. Uh, from AWA, we have telepath number one of six. That's from J. Michael Straczynski with art by Steve Epting. And I think that's in the same, uh, universe that Straczynski's building, uh, with the resistance over at AWA three books from bad idea today, the lot number three monster kill squad, number one of four and pirate queen, number one of four uh, over at boom studios. Uh, another Cullen Bunn book basilisk number four is hitting stands today, which uh, I've been hearing great things about. I have the first two or three issues, uh, but I haven't had a chance to read it yet. So uh, magic number six, which is magic. The gathering is out many deaths of Layla star number five of five wraps up that mini series from Rom V uh, Al Ewing's uh, creator owned. We only find them when they're dead is up to issue number eight uh, over at DC. And again, you can listen to these on our DC spotlight. We did have a separate episode for the Aquaman 80th anniversary and 100 page super spectacular, which has uh, a variety of color uh, covers. And then in the, the regular spotlight episode, we talked about Batman fear state alpha number one, which is a great start to that event. Batman Superman 2021 annual number one. There is the uh, Harley Quinn 2021 annual number one. Infinite Frontier number five of six. Midnighter 2021 annual number one, which finishes off the Midnighter uh, story that kicked off in uh, Future State Superman Worlds of War by Becky Cloonan and Michael W. Conrad. Static season one, number three of six, written by Vita Ayala. And Teen Titans Academy, number six from Tim Sheridan. And then also Wonder Girl, number three uh, from Joelle Jones. Now, we talked about that on last week's uh, Spotlight. So if you want to hear about our thoughts on Wonder Girl, go check out last week's episode because it was supposed to come out last week and it got pushed a week. But we didn't get the news uh, until after we had recorded. So, uh, all right. Over at uh, Image, I talked about Commanders in Crisis. We talked about Geiger. Uh, there's also the latest issue of Firepower from Robert Kirkman and Chris Somney. That's issue number 15. Um, Mirka Andolfo's Sweet Paprika, number two of 12, is also out, as is Savage Dragon, number 260, and Spawn, number 321. Uh, from Marvel, we've got Avengers, number 48, Captain Marvel, number 32, Dark Ages, number one, from Tom Taylor, which seems to be sort of a... a, a Marvel's version of deceased, I guess. Um, there's also something called demon days, cursed web number one. And I'm not, I have like no idea what, what that's about. Like 
at all. Um, it's got a peach Momoko cover and that's about all I know about it. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it, it has, um, mystique on the cover. So, I mean, take from that what you will. Uh, anyway, Hellions number 15 is also out. Uh, New Mutants number 21. Sinister War number four of four, which is uh, Nick Spencer uh, storyline that they're trying to get wrapped up for Amazing Spider-Man. Uh, and then there is a, an omnibus that I wanted to mention. What if the original series omnibus volume one? So I guess it, it, uh, it collects all the first volume of what if, which is a heck of a lot of uh, issues. So probably a pretty big uh, hardcover when it comes down to it. Uh, also, I'll mention from Vault, Money Shot number 14, which uh, the reason I'm mentioning that is I know a lot of people seem to enjoy the uh, the Superman versus Lobo Black Label book that came out last week. That's written by Sarah Beatty and Tim Seeley. Well, Money Shot from Vault Comics is written by that same creative team. So if you liked that uh, Black Label book last week, you probably should check out Money Shot and probably be right up your alley. Uh, all right. Any other books that you want to mention that are coming out today, Jay? No, I think you covered everything. Like I said, it's not a heavy week, which was surprising. I thought it was going to be heavier because it's, you know, another what fifth uh, week this month. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which is great. Uh, I can always use the break on the wallet for sure. So, uh, all right, everybody. Well, that's going to do it for this episode. Uh, Jay and I both picked Geiger number six uh, as book of the week. And I threw in uh, miles to go number five as well, which is uh, the end of a, uh, uh, an Aftershock title, which has been absolutely spectacular. And I hope we get more. So uh, we really appreciate you guys checking us out and tuning in. Uh, as always, we couldn't do it without your support. So thanks for listening. And we'll talk to you next time. Thank you. You can find the Comic Source Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or whichever podcasting app you prefer. Please tell all your friends about us, subscribe, and rate us. The ratings really help with our visibility and our ability to reach new listeners, especially five-star reviews on Apple. Also be sure to visit us at lrmonline.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover all our other great pop culture content. If you want to email us, the email address is thecomicsourceblog at gmail.com, or you can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash thecomicsource. Do a search for The Comic Source on Facebook and Instagram to follow us on those social platforms. All three spots are great places to find out when we release new episodes as well as follow all our convention coverage. So once again, we want to thank everyone for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.